I'm so glad you're here today. Hadn't God been good to us already? Amen. Amen. So today we're wrapping up our series we've called Beach Faith. We've been looking at what it means in the Bible to have complete rest in Jesus Christ. That in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our weaknesses, in the midst of our stresses, to come right up into the presence of God, into his throne room, and find their rest. Now we all understand what it means to go to the beach and have a little vacation. So we put those two things together to say, Jesus invites us to have beach faith. A faith that is at complete rest in Jesus Christ. And that rest ignites us. That, that rest motivates us. That rest drives us to do more than we ever could have without the rest. So we went to the beach this past year. We're down this beautiful part of Florida. Got to see some great water, beautiful sand, and enjoy this beautiful beach. So we got there kind of early one morning to try to enjoy the day before it got way too hot. So we're there and enjoying our time. And man, before we realized it, a lot of time had passed. I mean, you know, you sit on the beach for a while, you go out in the water for a while, you come back and you walk down the beach for a while, you come back and sit down for a while, you go back out in the water for a while, you do all that stuff, and some time had passed. I mean, a lot of time had passed. But then there was this kind of collective response of, you know what? I think it's time to go back to the house. There's a point in which you say, the beach has been great, but you don't go and just live on the beach. You get to the beach, but then you leave there kind of reinvigorated, reignited, you've had some rest, and now you say, you know what? Now it's time to get back to life. Now it's time to get to work. Now it's time to go back and do life. So in the Bible, there's plenty of occasions where Jesus invited others to come. Come to him so that they might find rest. But Jesus also called us to work and serve him. And we do that. But you know, for some people, there's a time where the beach needs to be an extended vacation. Sometimes you go through some difficulties. You go through some loss. You go through some heartache. You go through some difficulties. And Jesus says in those moments, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And sometimes you have to stay in that place a little longer to get the healing you need, to get the rest that you need. The sad thing happens when someone's been through loss, tragedy, hurt, reaction, rejection, and they stay on the beach and don't ever leave again. They get stuck. They get stuck in this awkward place where they don't know how to get back into life. They get stuck in this place of sorrow and confusion. And it's like a, a dark cloud has come in and just settled over them. And the, the joy leaves. The peace leaves. And now they can't get back to life. They're stuck. The good news of the gospel is that when life happens and when life doesn't make sense and you get stuck, Jesus comes and meets you right there. He meets you in your stuck place, not to condemn, 
but to free you. Today we're going to be looking at a passage in the New Testament about a man who probably had more experiences with Jesus than any other. It's one of the disciples. It's Peter. Peter's one of the guys who's like close up tight with Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, he takes the disciples, but there was times that he took a smaller group. He would take three. And there's times that it would just be Peter. And Peter is the guy that has so many experiences with Christ. Peter's the guy that when we first meet him in the Scripture, his name is actually called Simon. Simon was his name. Later we see him as Simon Peter, and later known as just Peter. But when we meet him, he's Simon. And his name means like the weeds or like the grass. It just blows whichever way the wind takes it. Simon's kind of like that. He just goes whichever way the crowd goes. If he's around this crowd, he goes that way. If he's around this crowd, he goes that way. He doesn't have any center. He doesn't have any rock in his life. And so when Jesus meets him, Jesus is talking to a crowd, and the crowds gather up on the shore, and Jesus needs to get some distance. He needs to back up a bit so that he can speak to the whole crowd so they can all see. And so Jesus says, hey, why don't you push out in the boat? And this man is Peter. Simon, why don't you push out in the boat? And so he does, and Jesus speaks to the crowd. When he finishes, he says, Simon, now push off into the deep waters. Launch out into the deep. You see, Peter was a fisherman, and Peter knew all about fishing. But Jesus says, Peter, why don't you launch out right over there into this deep spot? And Peter says, hey, uh, you know, we fished all night, and we haven't caught anything. Jesus says, just launch out into the deep. I got something for you. They launch out into the deep. Peter says, okay, I'm not sure this is what I should do, but the Bible says that Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it anyway. And he goes out and he lets down the nets and they pull them back in. And the Bible says he came back with a haul of fish. He did. He had more fish than he could have ever imagined. And it's so overwhelming to Peter that he falls down before Jesus and says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. You know, he's like broken, like, oh my word, I've just been talking to the Son of God. And he showed me, and he was right, and I was wrong. Depart from me. And on that day, Peter recognized who Jesus really was. He repented of his sin and began to be a follower. And Jesus even said to him, Peter, I know you're a fisherman now, but I'm going to do something in your life. Peter, you're going to be known for a lot more than just a man who fishes. You're going to become a guy. You're going to become a man who fishes for men. You're going to be a, a world changer, Peter. You're going to be a life changer for other people. You're going to be a fisher of men. Later, Peter would be the one that Jesus would say, who does the crowd say that I am? And Peter would say, well, they say this and they say this, but I believe you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him several things, but one of them is, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. Peter becomes like this icon in that moment of belief. He changes his name from Simon to Peter. That means rock. No more blowing in the wind, now rock. And Peter, on what you've just said and your belief, I'm going to build my kingdom, a church. 
So Peter becomes this guy who has experiences with Jesus that are overwhelming that you and I probably just dream about. The pastor, the, the scripture goes on, and it gets to the point, there's so many other experiences, but they're in one occasion, and Jesus says to the disciples, gentlemen, all of you are going to deny that you even know me. And Peter so brash, so confident in himself. He says, Lord, I would never deny you. And Peter, and Jesus said, Peter, on this night before the rooster crows, three times you will deny me. And Peter doesn't believe. Peter even denies that. But as the scripture unfolds, Jesus' words are true. The soldiers come, they arrest Jesus, and in the moment when it counted for the disciples and Peter himself, they ran. The Bible goes on to say that that night, Jesus is being taken from place to place. They're making preparations for the next day, and Peter is hiding out in town. He's trying to scope out. He's trying to see what's going on, but he's trying to stay covered because he doesn't want anyone to know that he really is connected with Jesus. He doesn't want to have happened to him what's happened to Jesus. And the Bible says that he is at a place where he is, apparently it's cold that night, so he's warming himself by a fire, the Bible says. Just Lock that away in your memory for just a moment. We're going to need that a little later. He's standing by this fire, and it happens on three occasions. Three people come to him and ask him, hey, weren't you one of those men with Jesus? And Peter ends up saying, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know what you're talking about. And if you read in the Gospel of Luke, it says that in that moment that Peter turned his eyes, and here came Jesus. And Jesus turned his face, and they caught eyes with one another. Can you imagine that moment? It's right before the rooster crows, but it's almost simultaneous. He denies three times. Jesus shows up. Their eyes lock. Jesus moves on. Rooster crows. Wow. The Bible says that Peter is so overcome with shame and guilt and sorrow that he starts weeping just bitterly, and he leaves. And you don't hear of Peter again. During the whole crucifixion, there's no mention of Peter. Until you get to the resurrection, until you get after the cross, until Jesus has been buried, time passes, he's risen, and then you start hearing Peter's name again. Peter is one of the ones who shows up to come see if this really is true that Jesus has risen from the dead. And sure enough, Peter looks in the tomb and he's not there. The Bible says that on two occasions that Jesus even appeared to Peter and the disciples after he was resurrected. Now you would think in that moment, you would think after all that Peter had been through, all Jesus had done for him, that Peter in this moment, though he'd had some heartache, that in this moment he would just be celebrating. Everything came true. Everything Jesus said was right. Everything was true. The resurrection happened. Cross defeated sin, hell, death, and the grave. Life has come forth. Jesus is alive. We are here, and we're about to be the ambassadors for this new message. You would think that's what would have happened, right? But where our story picks up today is in that moment. And Peter is not doing so well. Peter's struggling. 
Whereas he should have been living in the joy of the resurrection and forgiveness, even for what he had done, he is completely wrapped up in his guilt. All he can think about is what he has done wrong. All he can think about is his failure. All he can think about was what he did and the rejection he felt in himself for what he had done. He's consumed with his own sin. He's consumed, and so he's confused. This cloud hangs over him, and whereas he should have been joyous, he's discouraged. Turn your Bibles to John 21. This is where we are today. The Gospel of John, if you've got your Bible app, you can follow along there. I'm going to rip this microphone out, so I have to keep worrying about that. John 21 is where we are today. The story picks up here of what's going on in Peter's life. Follow along if you'd like in your Bible on the app. And we're going to see what happens to Peter in this moment where he's stuck. Have you ever been stuck before? Have you ever been in a place where you, you've known truth, you know what's right, but yet you can't process it all? Somehow or another you can't put it all together, and you just get to this place where you just like stop. And whereas you used to be somebody who was filled with passion and joy, you used to be somebody who was filled with the peace and you're ready to serve and you're ready to, to be wherever God's people are, all of a sudden now you want to do everything you can to get away from it. You're backing out of things. You're pulling away. Relationships where you once were close, you're backing out of. You're at a point where you can't make sense of what's going on. And you're stuck. God wants to move you forward, but you got stuck. You don't pray like you did. You don't seek the Lord like you did. You don't read the Bible like you did. You don't connect with others like you did. You're, you're just stuck. John 21. You begin in verse 1. It says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. It's very interesting throughout the scripture. If anybody gets a glimpse of God, it's not because they came up with it, it's because God revealed himself. That's what's happening here. Jesus is about to reveal himself one more time in a unique way. If we move on to verse 2, and it says this that Simon Peter. Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. So Peter and six other disciples, you can count it, there's seven total, they're all together. These are the guys that were the fishers, the fishermen of the disciples. They weren't all fishermen, but these were, and they're all together. They're all hanging out together. And what you're going to see is that when you get to a place, when you're stuck, it's tempting to want to just hang out with other stuck people. But stuck people usually don't help stuck people. You've got to get someone that's free to help you get unstuck. And if you're not careful about who you hang with, you'll end up staying stuck a lot longer than you ever planned on. The passage goes on. And it says this in verse 3, that Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Now, it seems like an innocent enough statement. It seems like, well, that's what Peter does. That's what some guys like to do. If you've had a stuck week, you like to go do something, 
Fishing, for some people, is it. But there's a little bit more happening here than Peter saying, you know what? We could go play disc golf. We could go down to the mall. I think I'm going to go fishing. That's not what's happening here. There's something bigger than that happening here. Peter is actually saying, I know all this stuff happened. I know that Jesus said all this stuff about being fishers of men. I know all this stuff happened. Jesus proclaimed all this stuff. I know the cross happened. I know the resurrection happened. But right now, all of that stuff, I can't make sense of. All I know is I failed. I blew it. I don't understand. I don't understand why Jesus did that. I don't understand why it played out the way it did. And I, Peter, I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm not going to be a fisher of men anymore. I'm going back to being a fisherman. I know that trade. I trust that trade. I really don't need anybody's help in that trade. I can just go back to that. I tried walking with the Lord. I'm done. I'm going fishing. That's what happens when you get stuck sometimes. You turn to what seems easy and natural. Now, the passage goes on. It says this. And they, the other disciples there, said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. See, Peter is kind of the spokesman for the disciples. He's the guy that always spoke first, and he was the guy that everybody kind of just, all right, let's go. So in this moment, Peter says, you know what? I'm kind of done with all this. I'm just going to go back to fishing. And six other disciples say, you know what? We are too. We're done. Didn't work out like we thought either. Seven men all walk away. They decided to not trust Christ in the moment. They decided to not trust what they had been called to do. They decided to not walk forward, but they chose to walk backwards. They chose to go back into what was comfortable. They chose to go back where they had been. And when you get stuck and you gather stuck people around you, you'll find yourself in a place where you start doing more than just withdrawing, doing more than just pulling away. Now you start kind of lashing out. You start kind of barking. You start complaining. You start being bitter. You start blaming. And pretty soon, you're stuck even deeper than you thought before. Now, the Bible's very clear about what happens next. These seven men go out. It's nighttime. They're experts. They should know exactly what to do in the middle of the night. They go fishing. They go back. They say, we're just going to do this thing. And here's what the Bible says next happened. And that night, they caught nothing. You see, Jesus is Lord over all. And he can cause circumstances to change. Peter thought, you know what? I'm not sure I need this anymore. I'm just going to go back where I was. And they go out and they do their thing and they catch absolutely nothing. Now, they're fishermen. They're experts. You'd think they would have caught something. And by the way, they're not fishing with a single line and a bobber or a lure. 
They hadn't been to academy to get their expert rod and reel. They're using nets. Nets are big, really big. In fact, the way this passage plays out, they have two boats. We'll see that in a little bit. Two boats, and they're fishing with these nets. You'd think they would have caught something. But the Bible's clear. They caught nothing. And Jesus arranged that. You see, God has so much more for us in our life than we think. And we think we've got it figured out. We think we know what ought to happen next. And sometimes you'll start down that path, and God will cause you to experience absolutely nothing so that you will turn around and say, Lord, I was doing this without you. And that's what's about to happen here. Jesus caused them to catch absolutely nothing. They're frustrated. They're stuck. And you might think that Jesus would show up in the moment and be ready to just unload on them, to get his finger out and just be ready to do this at them. But that's not what's going to happen. Watch this. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. What's another word for shore? Beach. Ah, you didn't know there were so many stories in the Bible about a beach, did you? Here's one. Jesus is standing on the beach, and the disciples are out in the boat, two boats, you'll see, and they've been fishing, the night's been long, they've been discouraged, and they're stuck, and they look over, and someone's on the shore, and it's Jesus himself, but the disciples don't recognize him. Because when you are stuck in your pity, in your discouragement, in yourself, you will not recognize Jesus even when he stands right in front of you. He'll be right there, ready to change your life, ready to bless you, ready to make things new. And you'll look square at him and have no clue who that is. Somebody came up to me in the store last week. I hate to even say this. I was at Walmart, and I'm going through the store, and all of a sudden, I come to the end, and there's a small family there, and they say, look, it's Pastor Brian. And I had no clue who they are. It was the most awkward, humiliating moment. And you'd think in that moment I would say, hey, now remind me of your girl's names, you know. But I just kind of got in this panic, and I didn't do any of that. I just said, hey, sure is great to see y'all. It's awkward when you don't recognize somebody. And I, I really don't think they're a member of this church. I think they're part of a church I'd been a part of before. At least that's what I'm praying. If that was you, please come see me afterwards. I'd love to apologize to your face. These disciples, they look square into Jesus' eyes, and they don't even know it's him. And I don't believe it was because it was still, you know, early morning, dawn, or because they were so far away. You would have known. You've walked with him. You've talked with him. You would have known that's Jesus. 
but they didn't. Verse 5. Well, let me make a point before we go to verse 5. Here's a big point, one this morning. Jesus meets us where we're stuck in order to lead us into greater depths of trust and passion. You see, Jesus is about to do something in these guys' lives that will change them forever. And Jesus meets them there. He doesn't meet to scold them. He meets to free them. This is what Jesus does. He comes to us in our stuck spots. And that's what he does here. Verse 5 in the passage. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? He's calling out to them from the beach. He's on the beach. They're out in the boats. And they say, No! You don't have any food? Isn't it interesting this is the first thing that Jesus asks them? He could have asked them a lot of things, but Jesus is concerned about where they are right now and what they need next. He knows if you've been out fishing all night, it's time for some breakfast. He knows they've been working hard, it's time for something to eat. And Jesus is going to meet their most immediate need before he meets their bigger need. That's the way ministry goes. And the scene is going to change in this moment. It's about the disciples, but I want you to be clear this morning. What happens from this point forward is going to be all about Peter. And Jesus is going to do this masterful job of winning Peter's heart back when he's stuck and away. Watch this. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some fish. They're out there. They fished all night long, and they haven't caught anything. And Jesus said to him, or them, if you will cast the net on the right side of the boat, you will find some fish. Now, be clear. This moment is not about just fish. This moment is not about Jesus knowing more about fish habits than the disciples. It's not that Jesus was this expert fish tracker. Jesus is about showing them something bigger in this moment, leading to the place they haven't been before and helping them get unstuck. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. The next part says, so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. They put the nets out there, they pull them in, and there's more fish than they can imagine in this moment. Does this sound familiar? I just told a story about five minutes ago. When Jesus first met Peter, the first miracle that he did with Peter was what? catching fish when he said, we've been out here all night long and we haven't caught a thing. And Jesus said, launch out into the deep. We're going to catch some fish. And they did. Here in this moment, Jesus is taking Peter down a path, down a journey. And he's saying to him, Peter, I want to show you something. I want to take you back. And he repeats the miracle again. Not just so that it would be in the Bible twice, but so that Peter would have his heart renewed. And all of a sudden, he would think back to what Jesus had done 
all of a sudden, all the images of that day would come flashing back into Peter's mind where he had said, now recently, I'm going back fishing. Jesus comes and meets him, and all of a sudden, Peter's remembering, wait a minute. I was in a boat on that day, too. Wait a minute. We'd been out all night fishing, and we couldn't catch a thing. Wait a minute. He was the one that told us where to fish. He told us where to go, and now he says, cast here and not there, and it's really not about that. It's about how powerful he is, how great he is. Wait a minute. That is Jesus. I didn't know who it was, but that's my Jesus right there. Watch what happens next. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord, which, by the way, that's John. John is writing, and that's the way John often referred to himself in his own writing. I'm not sure if that was an element of pride or what that was there, but I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. He says, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, when it all came together, when the aha moment happened, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Now, it wasn't because he was embarrassed to see Jesus without his shirt on. It's because the water's cold. He put his outer garment on, and he jumps into the water. He plunges in, not to hide from him. Look at what it says next. But the other disciples came in the little boat. There's that second boat. For they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, which is about 100 yards. They're 100 yards out, and they're dragging the net with the fish. The passage goes on. It says that then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Peter rushes back to get to land before they do. The rest of the disciples have to come in the boat, and they're dragging these fish. But Peter has swam, got up in the sand, and he's running, and he's there with Jesus. And the Bible says that when they get there, look what Jesus has done. And Jesus does nothing by just random chance. Know that. Look at this. As soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there. Jesus has already made the campfire. Jesus has already got the stove hot, and he's cooking fish that he already had. He had the food already. He didn't need their fish, but he got them some fish for their sake. Mm. I hope you're making some mental heart notes this morning. Jesus is just showing us some beautiful truths about himself here. Now look at this. A fire of coals. That's a very specific fire. He didn't say just a fire. He didn't say uh, a fire made with some wood. He said a fire of coals. There is only one other instance in the New Testament where it mentions a fire of coals. Do you know when that is? Remember I told you a while ago about the night that Peter was warming himself and he was denying that he knew the Lord? Until that moment when Jesus passed by and their eyes locked, guess what the Bible says that that fire was that night? A fire of coal. It's the only other time it's mentioned. And Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, I'm taking you on a journey. 
I've shown you what I did for you. I'm reminding you. Peter, I'm also reminding you of that night. I don't say all this, Peter, to guilt you, to shame you, to embarrass you, to condemn you. I say it to remind you. I remember that night. You remember that night. You remember my eyes. How I looked at you, and they weren't with scorn, and they weren't with anger. They are with heartbroken sadness at what was happening. And Jesus is picturing and portraying all of this for Peter. Mm. It says in the next verse that Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. Now, don't do this right now. And I'm going to tempt you, so don't do what I'm about to tempt you to do. If you Google 153 fish, you'll find all kind of crazy things that people think 153 meant in this passage right here. Here's what I think it means in the Greek. There was 153 fish. Okay? Let's just, let's just stay right there. That's what there was. That's what God had for them. He provided it. It's exactly what they needed. They pulled him up, and the net was not broken. It didn't break, even though it had 153 fish in it. The passage goes on in verse 12, and it says that Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. They had figured it out by this point. But there was still this awkwardness like, It looks like Jesus. He looks a little different, though. The scars, they're like healed over. He's got this different glow about him. It's like he's in this resurrected body. Mm-hmm. He was. It says, then Jesus came, look at this, and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise the fish. Jesus is reminding Peter again. Peter, do you remember the night we were all gathered together? Now listen. This isn't in the passage. I'm telling you what Jesus is doing kind of behind the scenes here. If you just read it, you'll see it. Jesus was saying, in effect, Peter, do you remember the night we were gathered together before I was arrested? And in that night, I took bread and I broke it, and I gave it to each of you. That is what happens in this passage right here. Jesus takes the bread, and he gives it to the disciples that are gathered there, and they all start thinking, oh, my goodness, this is just like that night. It was just like the night when he was telling us how much he loved us. It's just like that night when he washed our feet. It's just like that night when, when he demonstrated for us truly greater, greater love has no one than this than to lay down your life for a friend. It's just like that night. Jesus breaks the bread and he gives it to them and he gives them the fish also. It's like that night. It's also like the miracle of the feeding of the 4,000. It's also like the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is just flashing all kind of memory pictures right back into their eyes so that they might remember and see the goodness of Jesus to them even when they were unfaithful. Every one of those situations was in a moment where they said, no, Lord, no, Lord, no, Lord. And Jesus said, yeah, more fish than you can imagine. We are going to feed this multitude. I am going to lay my life down for you. And Jesus was reminding them, especially Peter, of all he had done for him. Next verse says this. 
This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Third time. But the story's not over yet. Jesus is drawing this thing to an even more personal close. Verse 15 says this. So when they had eaten breakfast, they finished this. It says that Jesus said to Simon, see the the camera pans and we're looking straight at Peter, who in this passage is called Simon. If you read the scripture, you'll see that when Peter wasn't really doing well, he was kind of flipping back into who he was before, Jesus will call him Simon. Kind of like when your mom used your first name and middle name together. It's similar. Simon. Simon Peter. Simon, son of Jonah. Do you love me more than these? Oh, you see, Peter was the one who said, Lord, even though all will deny you, I would never deny you. Jesus just brings it right back. He doesn't bring it back sarcastically. He's not trying to take digs at him. He's not trying to insult him in front of others. He's trying to win Peter's heart back. Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? That's really the question. Where's your heart, Peter? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. It's what Peter had been called to all along. Peter, this whole thing hasn't ever been about just you. Isn't it easy to just think that the Christian life and the Bible and praying and reading the Bible and church, all that, is just about me? That it's just for what God could do for me? That's never what it's all about. Oh, he will work in you, but it's so that he can work through you for someone else. That's what he's about. So, Now, Jesus has done this work of reminding, and he's bringing him all the way back around. Peter, this isn't about you. If you really do love me, feed my lambs, the little ones, the young ones, those who struggle, those who are stuck, Peter. I've called you to be the one who frees them. Verse 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then tend my sheep. Jesus is using shepherding terms now. Tend, protect, guide the sheep. Not just the little, but the older then the third time, the Bible says this in verse 17 or 18, that he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And the Bible says that Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Fascinating that Jesus chose three times to ask Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Not to condemn, not to guilt, not to shame, but to call Peter out, to call him forward, to bring him out of his stuck spot. Three times Peter had denied the Lord how many times? Three. Jesus reminds him, Not to shame him, but to pull him out, Peter. 
I've called you to so much more. I've called you to be the one who wins men, who is a fisher for men, who tends the sheep, who feeds the lamb, who, who makes a difference in others' lives. Peter, you've got to get off this beach. You're sitting here on the beach in the dark by yourself, and you're in a stuck spot, Peter. You're thinking back on all that's happened to you, what shouldn't have happened to you, what you shouldn't have done. And Peter, you've got to get out of that place. You don't need to stay stuck anymore, Peter. It's time to walk forward. It's time to know I love you. It's time to know I've provided for you. It's time to know everything that I've done for you, and I'm reminding you of that over and over again. And so, Peter, the last word I have to say to you is feed my sheep. Peter, it's time to get off the beach. It's time to walk forward. You can't stay here all the time. You can't stay stuck. It's time to move on. It's time to accept forgiveness and healing. Get past the cloud of confusion. It's time to walk forward forward. Peter, there are people stuck in their sin. There's, Peter, there's people stuck in their situation. There's people under attack. There's people without hope. You've got to help them, Peter. You've got to get off the beach. The last point I want to make with you today is this as we wrap up. Beach faith rests in Jesus' completed work, and it walks in Jesus' work to complete. Look at it again. Beach faith rests in Jesus' completed work, my sin is paid for. I'm made accepted. I'm in the beloved. He calls me his own. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He calls me blameless. He makes me righteous. He gives me the gift of righteousness. He calls me to go. And now, because I rest in all of that, I'm getting up off the beach and I'm moving. I'm going somewhere. I got something to do. I've got a fire lit in me, and there's people out there that are stuck, and I've got to get them unstuck, and I got to get them to the beach. That's what you and I are called to. This whole series hasn't been about just taking this in and kicking back and sitting in your recliner the whole time. This whole series has been about coming to the place where you rest completely in Jesus' completed work. We're not working today in order to rest. I'm working today because I am at rest. Those are two very different things. Amen? Hey, and it doesn't take long of looking at the news on your TV or listening to the radio or looking on the Internet to see that this world is anything but at rest. we got a world that has lost its ever-loving mind out there that is stuck they are stuck in themselves. They are stuck in their anger. They are stuck in their resentment. They are stuck in lashing out. They are stuck in selfishness. They're stuck and offended at every move. And it's time that the church of Jesus Christ get up off the beach and get out there and bring those people to the beach. That's what we're called to do. We're not here just to be a secret refuge. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love us gathering together. I love us being at a place where we worship together and find strength and help. But I'm going to tell you, we're not a football team 
that gathers in a huddle. We're an army sent out to battle. And there may be times we make a plan, but we get out of that huddle and we move. We may make a strategy, but we get out there and go. And we share God's love. We share God's peace. We share how to get to the beach. We share how to find rest. We share where life truly is, and it's in Jesus Christ. This is what we're called to, to bring others to the beach. Amen? I don't know where you are today in your faith. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what event has recently happened for you has caused you to get stuck. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe you were offended. Maybe you were rejected. Maybe something unjust, something tragic happened to you. And ever since then, you haven't been able to come back. You haven't been able to put it all back together. And you're like Peter on the shore Think of just going backwards. And today Jesus is standing there saying, what are, you, what are you missing today? Do you have any food? Do you have any peace? Do you have any hope? Do you have any love right now? Do you have any contentment right now? Do you have what you need right now? And like the disciples, you, you call back, no. And Jesus says, I know where to get it. I know where to get it. It's in coming back to me. It's in surrendering your heart. And there, there's a lot more than 153 fish waiting. There's blessings for every part of your heart that needs it today. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I know that God is speaking today. I know his word is true. I know his word is alive, and it will bring forth what he intended to bring forth today. I would say to you, if you're stuck today, Jesus has come to meet you in your stuck place. He's reminding you of the day you first met him. He's reminding you of all the miracles that he's done for you. He's reminding you of his mercy and his love. He's reminding you of what he's called you to. He's reminding you of all those things. And he says to you, it's time to leave the beach. For some of you, it means taking that first step to even knowing Jesus Christ. You've been around church. You've heard about church. But coming to a place where the gospel is personal to you hasn't happened yet. And this morning, you need to say and pray something like this. Lord, I am a sinner. I've made a wreck of my life. And this morning... I need to confess my sin to you and ask you to forgive me. And you can know this morning that because of the cross, there is forgiveness for that sin. There's life for you. And by you saying that, and by you saying, Lord, I want to follow you with my life, the Bible says that you can be born again. You are made new. You have new life within you. And that your sins are paid for, forgiven cleared and you can come to him in boldness it might be that some of you have taken that step but you've never been baptized you've never publicly shown others I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and, and you need to and you want to make that step 
We have 11 people who have made that decision that next Sunday will be being baptized right here. You can join them by coming forward and seeing one of our counselors here in just a moment saying, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to be baptized. It might be that there's some other area in your life where God is calling you back. Jesus has met you in your pain and you're tired of the stuck spot. You're tired of where you've been. You're tired of the pain and you're ready to walk back. He's walked you down the road, reminded you of everything. And today you're ready to get back into following him. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray?